0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our brand new series here at the Very Lutheran Project Basic Christian Theology. Now, before we dive into what's called the prolegomena or the introduction, why are we doing this? Well, first and foremost, we are doing this because somebody asked me to. <laughs> Somebody asked me to do the Romans series, so, okay, we spent eight months in Romans. Somebody asked me to do Job, so we spent seven months in Job. Typically, that's just what we do here at the VLP. If somebody has a request, we fulfill it. That's how the Dead Sea Scrolls series got uh, pushed and published, was somebody said, hey, could you do like the War Scroll, and maybe talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls for a series. And I said, I'm going to do you one better. We're going to read all of the Dead Sea Scrolls. We're going to read them, evaluate them, get it done. And thus was born the Reading and Evaluating the Dead Sea Scrolls series. But when it comes to theology, if you want all of Christian theology that was ever formulated by any theologian, I can't do that for you. Somebody asked me to do this. They were interested in something like a seminary experience, and I said, well, I can give you what the Word of God says. Every pastor has to know his theology. Every pastor has to be able to teach theology, and every pastor has to be able to do theology or else he can't preach the Word of God. Theology is part of the office of the Word in the church, and that's where ministers come in. But I wouldn't say that every single Christian is called to be a theologian. We are all called to study the Word of God, and that means we are called to study theology. And since the Word of God is the sole source of dogma and morals, To read the Bible, is to learn theology, if you're learning at it from that angle. The Bible teaches us history. It is infallible. The Bible teaches us uh, devotion. We can read the scriptures devotionally, but we can also come to religious truth studying the scriptures. So... To teach theology is to teach about the faith from the scriptures in such a way that you understand the Christian faith. Again, religious truth. Why, though? Why is this important, and why did I agree to do a multimedia series on this? We'll get to that. Well, first off, theology strengthens the faith of the believer. It increases our devotion to know what kind of God we are devoted to. It protects us from being led astray by heretics and false teachers and all the bad guys out there, as well as preventing us from sliding into heresy ourselves. Trust me, you get the Bible into the hands of any rando out there in the world, and it is likely that at some point they're going to have a material heresy in their head. God establishes the teaching office of the church to prevent that, but the teaching office of the church has to be subordinated to the word of God, or else we're looking at a well a doom spaghetti, so to speak, of various false doctrines. We'll get into that. Anyway. Learning theology also helps men to become better heads of households, better friends and neighbors. You're able to keep your pastor accountable, able to read the scriptures more deeply, and you can even articulate the gospel to non-believers in a more eloquent or simple way, whatever the occasion calls for whenever you're engaged in evangelism. Even wives and mothers can benefit from learning theology because, well, they need to teach their children while their husband is away. So in a word, learning basic theology is essential for making a Christian into a better Christian. Now, why basic Christian theology? Why not teach the fullness of it? Why not teach... Everything all the way back to Anselm, all the way back to Augustine. Start at square zero and work up from there. Well, in a sense, we are doing that with the Church Fathers series. We're reading what the Church Fathers had to say, piece by piece, evaluating it, putting it into its historical context, all of that. But you don't have to know everything the Church Fathers said to know what the Word of God says. They've got value. Again, our Roman Catholic friends listening to this and our Orthodox friends about to burst a blood vessel. Don't get me wrong. They're important, but they'll never be as important as the Bible. (laughs) They're never going to be equal to the Bible. They're never going to be inspired and inerrant like the Scriptures are. So, we ought to be staying with Scripture. And there are plenty of advanced minutiae in the scriptures that we could go on and on and on about regarding theology, and at some point they need to be taught. That is absolutely true. But at the higher levels of theology, at the super-advanced levels, a lot of theologians engage in comparative theology, philosophical disputes, commentary on what other theologians are saying and the like, This ability to articulate intricate and subtle differences between denominations and not-so-subtle differences between religions. And they learn the apologetics necessary to demonstrate that our theology is correct and the others are suspect. That's not something the average layman needs. Your average Christian doesn't need to read the Bhagavad Gita in order to understand and demonstrate that Hinduism is false in comparison to what the scriptures say. And even without the scriptures coming into play, why Hinduism collapses in on its own contradictions, things like that. To the contrary, you and I aren't going to benefit from such knowledge until we have fully submerged ourselves into the treasures of God's Word and learned to return there frequently. Maybe a seminarian or a theologian comes by for a lecture and teaches you why the other religions of the world are wrong or here are the finer points of what Origen had to say before he went full heretic and etc. and so forth. And all that stuff is important, but you have to keep coming back to the basics. The most advanced boxer in the entire world still goes back to his jab. He still goes back to that basic first punch you learn in boxing. The same way the Juilliard trained guitarist still practice his his basic scales and his basic arpeggios otherwise what are you doing you end up with knowledge that's a mile wide and an inch thick you don't have this firm foundation and we want that foundation so we want to focus on how to read the scriptures what the scripture teaches about theology and basically nothing else <laughs> I don't know, some people are going to be disappointed. They wanted me to, like, red pill them on super secret dogmas out there. And maybe some advanced stuff is going to come into play. But it's got to be the basics. Things that we want to return to. Now, the viewpoint here. For anybody that's new to the Very Lutheran Project, we do have a specific viewpoint. This is Lutheran theology, and not just Lutheran, but pietist, confessional, Lutheran theology. That is, theology which teaches from the scriptures alone, unmolested by these uh, twin harlots that you might call reason and tradition, or, or whatever else weird teachers might try to cite. It's going to be based on scripture alone. And I, the director of the Very Lutheran Project, will not merely set out to establish my own theological system. Because I am confessional, though I am capable of doing theology, I'm not a vocational theologian. So our traditionally minded friends can breathe a sigh of relief that I hold to a quia subscription to the 1580 Book of Concord, Because it is an accurate interpretation of Holy Scripture and adequately fulfills much of the teaching office in the church. Ephesians 4.11 For people that don't know what that means, I'm not going off the reservation here. I'm not setting off to make my mark or say something new. In fact, at this point, there really shouldn't be anything new in theology. We've had 2,000 years to figure things out. By the guidance of the Holy Spirit, using his word, I'm just here to teach it. But I digress. I am also a pietist. I care about Christians becoming better Christians and myself becoming a better Christian. Theology as just an academic exercise for finding out the truth isn't really worth much to people. Now, don't get me wrong, the truth is important. But if you are going to be searching out religious truth, it should be for something. We're not Gnostic heretics out there seeking the truth for its own sake. And we're not people out there that want to be some brain on a stick. The book of Colossians condemns the people out there that belong to some smarty pants cult. To the contrary, Scripture is beneficial for equipping all the saints. So must be learning the theology that the Word gives us. So if theology, learning theology from the Bible, makes us better Christians, then that has to be our goal when teaching theology. So I leave open the possibility that there might be an element of newness to what I'm doing. There hasn't been a confessional pietist theology laid out and even if I'm not going on off the reservation on what I'm teaching there are gonna be some concentric circles where we start with one point and then expand out from that point and then return to the center and expand out a little more and return to the center and expand out a little bit more bringing up the same things and the same concepts over and over and over again so that we are growing as Christians with a foundation in what the Word teaches. Again, remember, theology without a purpose, theology done for its own sake, doesn't improve you as a Christian. This is where so many people get wrong. Uh, Evangelical circles, I remember before I became a Lutheran, when I was a teenager, I remember people learning Greek, and I asked them why, and they said, well, because that's the original language of the New Testament, and I said, well, isn't the translation we have good enough? And they said, no, if you want to be a super special, awesome, intellectual Christian, you have to learn this stuff, and that's just not true. (laughs) You can be a great Christian without ever having to learn Koine Greek or the Hebrew or the Masoretic text or anything like that. You can trust in Christ, search the scriptures, and become a capable Christian who is sanctified or made more holy over time without having to get into that excruciating intellectual detail. Now about this, this whole series here and this introduction here. Theology should be presented as simple for the layman. Not because you're stupid. God forbid I should ever call you a fool or say that you're stupid. Because chances are you know a whole lot of stuff that I don't. I know some stuff you don't. So pairs the thought that I'm trying to condescend to you here. Especially, goodness gracious, I got some friends that are engineers and They can blow the doors off of my mind with the stuff they talk about. i got family members that get into the hard sciences, and both of us can just look at each other and kind of cross our eyes a little bit when we get into the details of our professions. Most people are intelligent enough to understand these matters, theological matters, so long as they're believers. Non-believers cannot understand it. We'll get into that. But the reason for a simpler presentation, how we're going to run this series, is that almost every single Christian in the entire world is concerned with the vocation that God has given them. Your job, your family, where you're going, even your hobbies can be given to you by God as something to do and rejoice in, and there's any other number of matters. If you're not called to be a theologian or to be a pastor, well, maybe you're too busy to get into the deep dive type of stuff there. And as much as theologians, you know, the guys that are paid to do this, love to get into the deep dives, most people just don't have time for that. And we want you to know the basics. We want you to be. It's a little dangerous with Scripture and able to understand the basic matters of the faith. But for the person who is too busy to listen to a conversation like this, we're putting up the PDFs of every single one of these on the Very Lutheran Project website, verylutheran.biz. And for the people who are too busy to read, we are uploading stuff to SoundCloud, And we're making it conversational over audio so it's easy to understand. And the PDFs are going to be with simple bullet points. Simple things, simple theses and explanations of the theses so that you can get an understanding of what's going on without any issues. You have the basics. You're dangerous enough to understand what doctrine is and to hold your pastor accountable in order to teach your kids everything without having to get lost in the weeds so everybody can go at their own pace hence both the pdfs and the audio now let's get down to the center of christian theology let's give you an example here of these theses that i'm talking about first off christian theology centers around the person and work of jesus christ It centers it. Christian theology has to start with Christ. Christ is the center of Christianity. I know I said I wouldn't get into the weeds, but the Greek word for Christian, Christianos, means a follower of or someone belonging to the party identified with, Christ. If somebody wants to be a Christian, then the focus must be on that which defines a Christian. (laughs) <laughs> we are not Godists. We are not just theists. Theoretically, you could put a definition out there that says all Christians are theists. That's true, but not all theists are Christians. There's this special philosophical carve out, and even a religious carve out, for a Christian. At the risk of being crass, Without Jesus, your Bible isn't worth its weight in toilet paper, not even used toilet paper. You can say that everything in the scriptures is true, yes, absolutely. But if you didn't have Jesus, what use is it to you? What use is a religion that does not save you, that does not do something for you? We talk about the gospel. The gospel means good news, evangelion. It's good news, but if there is no good news, especially good news concerning Jesus Christ, then you don't have Christianity or Christianity. So it must start with Christ. And that said, you can't know religious truth except through Jesus Christ. The Gospels that we have, which regale us with the accounts, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus Christ's ministry and the atonement he worked for us, they tell us that he taught as one who had authority. Mark 1, verse 22. The author of Hebrews says that he is the final way by which God speaks to men. And so he, being divine, is superior to the prophets of old, the angels, and all other known saints. That's Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. In other words, Jesus Christ teaches with authority because he is the authority over all religious matters. You do not have Christianity without Christ. You do not have a gospel without Christ. You do not have a motivation to believe in Christian theology without Christ. So before we get to anything else, we have to recognize that Jesus is supreme in the teachings of Christianity. Even when it comes to Scripture. It is through Christ's teaching and work that we have this assurance that the texts of the Old and New Testament are inspired and authoritative. You know, Christians don't think that Scripture is so great just because it's a bunch of special books. Anybody out there, any Tom, Dick, or Harry could say, I have special books that I think are the truth because reasons or because I personally believe that these texts reflect what God, or Vishnu, or uh, Allah, or any other deity wants me to believe. The difference is that Jesus teaches us that the texts of the Old and New Testaments are inspired and authoritative. So you have this, by the way, from John 5, 39, Matthew 5, verse 17, Luke 24, 44 through 46, John 14, 26, and John 16, verses 12 through 15. Jesus puts his stamp of approval on the canonical books of the Old Testament, and then he tells the apostles, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into all truth. He is going to inspire your words and make sure that what you say is true. The reason that you and I have an authoritative canon of Holy Scripture to believe in is because Jesus Christ said so. Otherwise, we would still be arguing about whether the War Scroll from the Dead Sea Scrolls or the Book of Enoch or any other number of goofy books out there is authoritative as Scripture. But if Jesus says, yes, the apostles and the prophets, those guys out there that spoke on my behalf, They are the ones you should listen to. If he says that, and he's my Savior, he is God and man, then I am going to believe him. Okay, now I have the basis for sola scriptura. I have the promise that the Bible that I have is the word of God, and I will believe it and understand it. Now that said, the final thesis for the night, we've had Christian theology centers around the person and work of Jesus Christ. One cannot hope to know religious truth except through Christ. Finally, we got to come to the third thesis, which is almost all, if not all, doctrine is introduced by Christ to believers and then exposited by scriptural authors. This is kind of confusing for some people, I get it. We're gonna talk about this more and more throughout the series. But Jesus Christ introduces Christian doctrine, just about all of it, from basic matters to the inspiration of scripture, uh, to more complicated things like the Trinity, the hypostatic union, the nature of the atonement, and so on and so forth. He is going to be the one that plants the seed from which the rest of the Christian plant is grown. Now the Old Testament and New Testament authors then are going to expound upon those dogmas that Jesus gives us and those that Jesus introduces so that you and I can have a better understanding that scripture states explicitly what prophecy speaking on behalf of God. That's all that prophecy is. If it is speaking on behalf of God, it is ultimately about Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19, verse 10, it is all about Jesus. So we do well to center it on him. He is going to be the one that introduces it. And then he selects men from both Old and New Testaments to expound upon it and give it to us in detail. It could be that maybe a few things that we're going to talk about in this series are not mentioned by Jesus or not introduced by Jesus Christ, but I doubt it. As we go forward in this series, maybe there's something about angels, maybe something about the nature of past, present, and future, something that maybe Jesus doesn't talk about very much. If so, it's few and far between. I am fully convinced that the entirety of Christianity is revealed in the person and work of Christ and then explained in greater detail by prophets and apostles. But we're going to have to get into that later. For now, Just consider these three theses, and maybe consider reading the PDF up on VeryLutheran.biz. Christian theology centers around the person and work of Jesus Christ. One cannot hope to know religious truth except through Christ. And then finally, almost all, if not all, doctrine is introduced by Christ to believers and exposited by the scriptural authors, that is, the prophets and apostles of the Old and New Testaments. Next week, we will get more in detail into the nature of the Gospel. What does the Gospel mean, and why is that so important to us? But until then, our Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and Amen.